Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I would like to tackle the subject of choosing light over darkness because we are approaching Halloween and it feels like there is darkness all around us. So how are we as Christian women to respond to that in a biblical way, in a Christ-centered way? Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that in just a couple of weeks, we have our Marriage and Motherhood Retreat, October 23rd through 25th. So if you are looking for a Christ-centered vision for home and family life, whether you're looking ahead to the future or you're in the midst of those years right now. You can join us in person. There are still a few spots left for our in-person event in Colorado, or you can join us via simulcast anywhere you are in the world, and you'll have access to those sessions throughout the rest of this year. So go to setapartmotherhood.com to learn more. I would love to have you join us for the Marriage and Motherhood Retreat. So let's dive into Choosing Light over darkness. Now, we did address a subject similar to this a number of years ago on this podcast, but I feel like the culture has even grown more obsessed with darkness since the first time I tackled this subject. And I feel like it is so important to be continually reminded this time of year what it means to choose light over darkness and not treat darkness carelessly or casually. There are a few key scriptures that really clearly show the danger of being attracted to darkness or participating in darkness or being more drawn to darkness than to light. It says in John 3:19, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I think that is a really profound verse because what causes someone to love darkness rather than light? It's when our deeds are evil and we don't want them to be exposed. We're comfortable with our sin. We want to remain where we're at. We don't want that searchlight of light and truth to shine upon our lives. That's when we find ourselves more drawn to the darkness than to the light. So that's really a warning sign of not being on the right track spiritually. And then in John 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. What an incredibly revealing scripture about what happens when Jesus comes into this world and shines his light in the midst of darkness, and those who are trapped in darkness, those who are loving darkness, just simply cannot comprehend the light that has come into the world. The reality is that Jesus is the light of the world. He is light, and Satan is the prince of darkness. Everything he does, everything he is, is darkness, and we cannot love both the light and the darkness. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So it is not possible for light and darkness to mix, and that is important for us to understand in a culture that takes darkness very lightly and even makes darkness look attractive. I think it's easy for us as women to just treat things of darkness carelessly because we see it all around us in our culture and our culture makes light of it. I mean, you see skulls and skeletons on purses and home decor and even on baby clothes these days. And it's just really easy to treat it with a wink and a chuckle. 
But in the book of Acts, when new believers came to Christ, it said that many of them who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. And those books, as they totaled up the value of them, were extremely valuable. So you think, well, why didn't they just sell them and use the money for good deeds or something? Because they knew that darkness and light could not mix and they didn't even want a hint of it in their lives. They wanted to burn it and not just burn it privately, but burn those things publicly as a declaration that they were choosing to step into the light and abhor darkness. Now, our culture is at a place where most of the culture loves darkness and is attracted to death. So you'll see symbols of death everywhere. Like I said earlier, death has been made into some cute fashion statement where you see sequins you know, skulls and sequin skeletons on our clothing and decor and things like that. But it says in Proverbs 8.36, He who sins against me, meaning God's wisdom, wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. That's an incredible scripture too because it shows us that if we hate the wisdom of God, one of the ways we can tell is that we start to love death. We start to celebrate death rather than life. We start to celebrate darkness rather than light. And there is such a danger in making evil seem good and making darkness seem like light. And that's really what's happening in our world today, which is why some of us don't even see the danger that is all around us. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And I think in this area of celebrating darkness, we see that happening all the time, where you can see things like, you know, Buddha statues and Zen and all these kind of things. And they're, they come across as, you know, a great way to decorate your home with like a Buddhist, Buddha statue. It's so peaceful and it's like this tranquil way of life and, you know, just find your Zen and find your happy, peaceful place. In reality, those things stem from a very anti-Christian root, but because the culture is celebrating those things and glossing them over and making them seem attractive, it's easy to just jump on that bad bandwagon and say, you know, that's completely harmless. You know, a number of years ago, there was just this completely wildly popular focus on vampire novels when the Twilight books were really popular and the Twilight movies were really popular. And that is another great example of how the culture can make darkness look desirable and attractive because the hero of that series was a vampire and they try to make him look like this noble character when in actuality vampirism has its roots in something very satanic. So it's actually almost better, you know, the old timey movies that made darkness was just dark you know the monsters were the monsters and then you had the good guys and today you see a lot of books and movies where the the evil is actually the the hero or the heroine the evil person and that's just a very very dangerous path to walk down when we start to say oh you know there's nothing wrong with this because look he's got all these noble character qualities yeah but he's a vampire and vampirism is extremely demonic and satanic if you ever study the roots of it and there are so many more examples like that in our culture today how does this impact us? How can we guard our hearts against it? And when we participate in, in it, what can be the result? Well, as an example, a friend of mine at one point was really struggling with nightmares and fearful, irrational thoughts on a really continual basis. And so we were praying together, trying to see her be delivered from this. And one day when we were meeting for prayer, she casually mentioned that she had just come from a horror movie. It was like this horror suspense film. And yes, it might have been one of the milder ones, 
but the whole focus of this movie was demonic darkness and murder and death. And she really did seem oblivious to the fact that there could be a connection between her struggles with fear and her nightmares and the kind of movies that she was watching, feeding that kind of darkness into her mind. In Corrie ten Boom's book, Tramp for the Lord, she talks about ministering and praying for, ministering to and praying for a young man who had a similar issue in his life where there was just this darkness that would come over him, this depression, all these emotional struggles. And it wasn't until the young man actually confessed the fact that he had been participating in dark things and allowing those things into his life. He confessed that sin. He repented. He closed that out of his life. He cut that out of his life and he closed that access point to the enemy and no longer was he struggling with those things. And a lot of times we're praying to to be delivered from things like fear and depression, but we fail to take a look at our daily lives and say, are we allowing the enemy access by the things we're participating in? If we are knowingly, willingly participating in things that celebrate darkness, that is going to give the enemy access into our soul and cause him to just have the legal right to harass us in various areas of our lives. So it's so crucial that we recognize the danger of celebrating darkness and participating in darkness and close off those access points through repentance and through renouncing those things in our life. So as darkness becomes more trendy in our culture, like I said earlier, it's really easy to start treating it lightly. So even Christians will easily, you know, read vampire novels and watch horror movies and wear skulls and skeletons on their clothing and decorate their home with pagan religion symbols without realizing the impact that this can have upon us spiritually. But if we stop and think about this biblically, it does stand to reason that when we participate in things that glorify darkness, we are giving the prince of darkness access to our minds and our subconscious. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 13 talks about things that are an abomination to the Lord. And it, it's a list of witchcraft and soothsaying and interpreting omens and being a sorcerer and conjuring spells and being a medium and calling up the dead. And it says all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. Now, if you grew up in conservative Christian circles, it's easy to glaze over a scripture like this and think, oh, it doesn't have that much to do with me. But Even something as seemingly innocent as like reading your horoscope in the newspaper is actually not innocent at all. In fact, Corey Ten Boom describes it as asking Satan for help and direction rather than from God. It's in in the strange roundabout way, it's participating in that occult practice of fortune telling, which is in that list in Deuteronomy 18 that says this is an abomination to the Lord. And again, movies about communicating with the dead and things like that may seem like no big deal. It's just entertainment, right? And I don't really believe in these things. You know, that's the way a lot of us justify it. But again, it's participating, it's celebrating that that concept or that occult practice of calling up the dead. And again, those things are an abomination to the Lord. So why are we lightly allowing those things into our lives? A lot of modern Christians have become really careless towards these things because the culture is giving evil and darkness a makeover. Vampires are no longer grotesque. They're not horrifying monsters. They're gallant, desirable heartthrobs. In fact, I think the star of the Twilight movies was like one of the sexiest men alive in People magazine a few years ago. And that's just a really, it's just an incredible irony because he's supposed to be evil, but he's now so desirable the way Hollywood glosses these things over. And no longer are skulls and skeletons flaunted by just rebellious teenagers with switchblades and skateboards. They are adorning everything from baby bedding to designer handbags, as I said earlier. And we've really redefined evil to seem harmless, fun, and even cute and attractive. And it's an illusion. 
when we believe that evil is not really evil, if it's glossed over in a cute package, that is actually a lie that we're believing. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We need to remember that scripture and build our lives around that scripture. If you desire to be free from the enemy's harassment and control over your life, your heart, your mind, and your emotions, then removing all darkness from your life, no matter how cute or harmless or fashionable it may be, is a critical first step. So I wanted to give you a few practical ways to do this in your own life. And if if you are not someone who's struggling with these things, at least a reminder to stand firm in your position, to love the light and shun the darkness and guard the things that are important to God and not treat evil lightly because as we come upon this time of year especially it's just really easy to let our guard down because we see this kind of stuff all around us so if you feel harassed by the enemy if you feel like you've struggled with oppression or depression or fear or things like that then these suggestions are even more important for you so here are a few ways that you can choose light over darkness first and foremost evaluate the things that you are reading and watching and listening to and look at every single one of those things and line them up with Paul's checklist in Philippians. He says that we are to meditate on things that are true and noble and lovely and right and pure and of good report and excellent. It's this list of all things that are light-based, all things that reflect the nature of nature of Christ. And that is what we are to be feeding into our minds. Now, it's really easy to think, well, I don't really agree with this movie or I don't really agree with this book. And no, it's not necessarily about things that are lovely and right and true and excellent and praiseworthy, but, you know, God knows that I don't really agree with it. But the reason that Paul gives us that checklist in Philippians is because he knows that the things we meditate on, the things that we that we allow to fill our minds shape the direction of our life, our focus, and our souls. Because it says in the Word of God that as we think in our hearts, so we are. So if we are constantly dwelling on things that are of darkness rather than light, then darkness is going to creep in and it is going to affect the way we look at life, the way we approach every area of our life. It's We can't just sort of say, well, this is just entertainment. I don't really agree with it. If we're meditating on something and it does not line up with that checklist, we are opening ourselves up to the enemy to have access in our life. Another question to ask about the things you are watching, listening, reading, and participating in is, do I have to unplug from Christ? Do I have to unplug from my spiritual life in order to participate in this thing? If Jesus were sitting right next to me, watching this with me, reading this with me, would would it be something he would even do? Would it be something that if he could see me doing it, he would not be grieved? He would be enthusiastically cheering me on or would he be grieved? And that is such a revealing question because when we imagine Jesus sitting right next to us, when we imagine, would he be doing this? Would he be reading this? Would he be watching this? Or if he were watching us do it, would he be cheering us on or would he be grieved? And that can answer a lot of questions about what kinds of things we should be filling our minds with and participating in. And when you're choosing things to wear, things to decorate your house with, ask yourself whether you are sending a message of light or 
or darkness to those who see you, to those who come into your home? Are you proclaiming with the choices that you're making in those areas that you lift high the name of Jesus Christ, that you celebrate light and shun darkness? Or are those things sending the message that you really take the darkness around us lightly and it's really not a big deal to you? That can be such an important area to address because we think, oh, it's just a fashion statement. It's just, it's not really a big deal, but it is a symbol of what you believe. It is a message that you are sending to this world around you, to those in your life. So you are either choosing to celebrate light light and lift high the name of Jesus or celebrate darkness and treat darkness casually in all of those things. Another question to ask yourself is, have you become comfortable with darkness? It's everywhere and the culture's goal is to get us to just shrug at it and not treat it like a big deal. But I love what Toller said about this. A pure heart is one to which all that is not of God is strange and jarring. And so oftentimes the things that are not of God are not strange and jarring to us. They are just completely normal and we're comfortable with them. But that's when we need to take a step back and say, okay, Lord, if I become too comfortable with the darkness that's around me, please show me what areas in my life need greater boundaries and how I can start replacing wrong patterns, replacing darkness in my life with light. And God will be very faithful to show you gently and lovingly what changes you might need to make in your life to become not comfortable with darkness and to celebrate the light in your daily life. If you think about how you're spending your downtime, some alternatives to just participating in the latest shows on TV and the latest movies would be using that time to grow spiritually, study the lives of great Christians, watch edifying Christian movies or documentaries about amazing Christians who have given their lives for Christ it's not really just supposed to be, downtime isn't just supposed to be, hey, this is my time. I can just relax and do whatever I want. I just want to be entertained by the latest and the greatest in the culture. It's, Lord, all my time belongs to you. And if you need to be refreshed or refueled, a lot of times finding a spiritual way to do that will be so much more refreshing to your soul than a temporary distraction from the culture. And it also protects you from getting too caught up in the darkness that is so prevalent in our culture today. Now, of course, that doesn't mean never watch a secular movie or anything like that, but really evaluate it with a surrendered prayerful heart and say, Lord, I desire to be pleasing to you in this area of my life. I want to celebrate light. Show me what that looks like for the way that I'm spending my time, how I'm dressing, how I'm decorating my home, etc. Celebrating light does not mean cloistering away from society and becoming a hermit in the woods where you have nothing to do with the world, but it does mean living with a passion for the light instead of having a lax attitude toward darkness. It does mean being set apart, being in this world, but not of this world, and not worrying about whether people think you're strange because when light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not always comprehend it as the word of God says. And that's the way they treated Jesus. And that is the way they're going to treat us if we're truly following Jesus. So that is par for the course in real Christianity. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. Romans 16, 19 says that we are called to be wise toward what is good and innocent about the things that are evil. So it is not actually beneficial to know all about evil and be totally in the know about this point of darkness and that point of darkness. We are to be wise about the things that are good. And there is such an amazing freedom that comes when we choose to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And so if you're really looking for how to celebrate light instead of darkness in a nutshell, 
ask God to give you a heart to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And you will be amazed at the freedom and the joy and the peace that can flow into your life when you choose to say no to the darkness by the grace of God. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into this topic, please visit us at setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.